Good morning and welcome to Simply Sports. It's Monday, February 26th. On today's show, we're tracking the 2024 NFL franchise tag, with Bengals WRT Higgins being the first to get tagged and ODU coach Jones retiring after a 32-year career. Plus, the Falcons are set to explore options at quarterback. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Sports. We start off with a look at the upcoming NFL free agency period, where teams are allowed to apply franchise tags to players from February 20th through March 5th. This gives them a sense of what they need to do before the league year starts on March 13th. To help us understand this better, we have Bella from Simply Sports. Can you explain what the franchise tag is and how it works? Certainly, David. The franchise tag is a designation that teams can apply to a player who is scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent. It binds the player to the team for one season. The figures for the franchise tag are based on the top five salaries at each position. This year, the NFL has informed its 32 teams that the 2024 salary cap will be a record $255.4 million, up from $224.8 million last year. So, who are some of the players who have been franchise tagged this season? Last season, only six players were franchise tagged, including Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, the 2023 NFL MVP. This season, one notable player who has been tagged is T. Higgins, a wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. What led to Higgins being tagged? The Bengals and Higgins were unable to reach a long-term extension before the start of last season. The tag designation was always the likely outcome for the 2024 season. This allows Cincinnati to keep the core nucleus of quarterback Joe Burrow, wide receiver Jamar Chase, and Higgins together for at least one more season. Higgins' franchise tag salary is $21.816 million. What has been Higgins' contribution to the Bengals so far? Higgins has been a key part of Cincinnati's offensive overhaul. He arrived the same year as Burrow and has been one of the team's go-to receiving options. Despite dealing with injuries last year, he still finished second on the Bengals with five receiving touchdowns. His six-foot-four frame and catch radius make him a passing option in virtually any situation. He has continued to develop as a route runner and has earned the trust of Burrow, Coach Zach Taylor, and the rest of the staff. Thanks for the insights, Bella. Now, shifting gears to some breaking news in sports, Old Dominion coach Jeff Jones has announced his retirement. This comes after the school announced in January that Jones was stepping away for the rest of the season due to health issues. He suffered a heart attack during the team's trip to Honolulu for the Diamond Head Classic, and then began treatment for prostate cancer for the fourth time. Here with more on this is our correspondent. Abby, can you tell us more about Jones's career? Certainly, David. Jeff Jones, 63, has been at Old Dominion since 2013. He led the Monarchs to the NCAA tournament in 2019 after winning both the Conference USA regular season and Conference tournament championships. Before his tenure at Old Dominion, Jones spent 13 seasons as the head coach at American. There, he led the Eagles to two NCAA tournaments and won four Patriot League regular season titles. And Jones' coaching career started even before that, correct? Yes, that's right. 
Jones started his coaching career at Virginia, where he played his college ball from 1978 to 82. He was an assistant for the Cavaliers for eight seasons after graduating and then replaced Terry Holland in 1990. During his time there, he won an ACC regular season championship in 1995 and guided Virginia to five NCAA tournament appearances. The Cavaliers made an Elite Eight run in 1995 and won the NIT in 1992. Quite an impressive career. What's his overall record as a head coach? Jones finishes his 32-year head coaching career with a record of 560-418. It's a testament to his skill and dedication as a coach. Thanks for the insight, Abby. Now shifting gears to the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons have made their intentions clear this offseason. They're on the hunt for a quarterback. Whether through the draft, free agency, or a trade, the team's management is determined to bolster their roster at this critical position. The NFL Combine in Indianapolis this week could provide some answers. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Celeste. Can you tell us more about what the Falcons are looking for in a quarterback? Certainly, David. The Falcons are keeping their options open, but their new head coach Raheem Morris and offensive coordinator Zach Robinson have given some hints. Morris has expressed interest in quarterbacks who are elite processors and can make quick decisions. Robinson, on the other hand, is looking for the most competitive guy in the room who can throw the ball with accuracy, pace, and touch. He's open to both pocket passers and mobile quarterbacks. Who are the current quarterbacks under contract for the Falcons? The Falcons currently have two quarterbacks under contract for 2024, Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. However, the team could save significant amounts if they were to release either of these players. As quarterback coach TJ Yates said, the situation is evolving and they're preparing for all possibilities. Which quarterbacks might be available in a trade? One name that's likely to come up is Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears quarterback who grew up in Metro Atlanta. Fields has shown promise, but has struggled with fumbles. His completion rate has improved every year, but the Falcons would have to decide if he fits their offense. Other quarterbacks might become available, and those conversations will likely happen over the next few weeks. What about the draft? Are there any standout prospects the Falcons might be interested in? Analysts have identified three quarterbacks at the top of the draft, led by USC's Caleb Williams. North Carolina's Drake May and LSU's Jaden Daniels are also expected to be high selections, all projected to be taken before Atlanta drafts at number eight. The Falcons could potentially trade up, although they haven't done that in the first round during general manager Terry Fontenot's tenure. Other potential picks could include Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, Washington's Michael Penix Jr. and Oregon's Bo Nix. And what about free agency? Are there any notable quarterbacks who might be available? If Minnesota doesn't re-sign Kirk Cousins, he becomes the best quarterback option in free agency, despite coming off a torn Achilles. Baker Mayfield, if he doesn't return to Tampa Bay, also has experience with this staff and is coming off the best season of his career. If Denver releases Russell Wilson, the 35-year-old would be another veteran option with significant experience. Other free agent options could include Cleveland's Joe Flacco, Indianapolis, Gardner Minshew, Tennessee's Ryan Tannehill, and Washington's Jacoby Brissett. The Falcons certainly have a lot to consider. Thanks for the insight, Celeste. Speaking of significant transformations in the sports world, 
Let's shift our focus to the LA Clippers. Since Steve Ballmer purchased the franchise in 2014, the team has been undergoing a major rebranding. Today, we have Michael to delve deeper into this transformation. So, Michael, what can you tell us about the Clippers rebranding journey? Well, David, it's been a comprehensive process. The Clippers hired consultants to conduct fan surveys on various aspects of the franchise. Despite not making the finals yet, the Clippers have been consistent contenders, especially after the Kawhi Leonard-Paul George offseason of 2019. Ballmer has shown a willingness to invest heavily in the team, including the announcement of a move to a new arena, the Intuit Dome, next season. And how have the fans responded to these changes? Interestingly, despite the team's efforts to rebrand, fan feedback was consistently against a potential name change. Ballmer himself admitted to being surprised by the lack of interest in a name change. However, the team's current logo, which many consider generic and bland, was identified as an area needing improvement. So what changes are being made to the logo? Ballmer wanted a monogram-style mark that would play well internationally. The team learned that fans liked the idea of a semi-stacked L.A. mark. With fans expressing affection for the name Clippers, the team decided to keep the name and tie any new art to it. The result is a sharp, new primary icon mixing the motifs of a compass and a naval ship with a color scheme that emphasizes navy blue. And how does this new logo tie into the team's history? The name Clippers is derived from clipper ships and naval vessels that dot the coast off of San Diego, the team's original California home. The new logo with its ship and compass motifs is a nod to this naval origin. The ship is designed to look menacing, as if it were coming straight at you. The font is inspired by the typeface often used on the hulls of gray naval vessels. What about the team's jerseys? Are there any changes there? Yes, the primary icon is on the shorts of the team's new association and icon jerseys. The jerseys are simple and clean, with a sharpened font for the Clippers wordmark. The team's third jersey set, the Statement Edition, is red and features Los Angeles on the front and the shortened clips on the waistband. The team has also incorporated nautical flags, the symbols for LAC, as another nod to the naval origin of the team's name. And how does all this tie into the team's move to the new Intuit Dome next season? The move to the Intuit Dome coincides with this massive rebrand. The dome will feature state-of-the-art technology and a series of features designed to get fans to focus on the game itself. This includes the wall, a giant 51-row section reserved for fans who prove their bona fides as Clippers supporters, and countdown clocks on the concourse to alert fans to return to their seats for the resumption of game action. Exciting times indeed for the Clippers and their fans. Thanks for the insights, Michael. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Sports. We'll see you back here tomorrow.